Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country to, on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. I wonder how many of us truly enjoy the idea of the unknown, not knowing what's gonna happen. If I had to guess, I'd say probably not many of us, right? In fact, I'd say if I was to ask the majority of you what you're currently praying about the most right now, you would more than likely share with me something that has to do with the unknown. Maybe something in regard to your health or your relationships or maybe a job or maybe it has something to do with your kids. Uh, You fill in the blank. I don't know really anyone that likes the unknown, that really enjoys and embraces that idea. I know I often don't. And because of this, guys, I think that a lot of us do all that we can to actually avoid it. You probably agree with me on that. We, we plan, we prepare the max for our future. Uh, sometimes we do the same for our kids' future, even sacrificing the present. And uh, we do this in order to know what to expect and to, to avoid the unknown. But yet if we really stop and think, if we really stop and think and examine this idea with the scripture, we find that since God is the only one that knows the future, The ironic reality for each and every one of us is that every single one of us is living in the unknown each and every day. And when we take this idea even farther in scripture, we find this to be a good thing. That walking by faith and not by sight is a good thing. That daily dependency on God is a good thing. In fact, it's exactly how we were designed by God to live, by faith. And so I wonder why so many of us are trying to avoid it. Guys, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm sure, but I think a lot of us really like the idea of faith. We just don't like being actually put in a position to exercise it. Hey, but what we're gonna see in the story of Abram, who's later gonna be renamed Abraham, is a story about a man who was called to exercise his faith. He was a man who was called to embrace the unknown. The author of Hebrews described this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So what we've learned so far is that God initiated the call, and by faith, Abraham, he obeyed and he embraced the unknown. Now, last week, Lance walked us through this same passage, chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. He focused on 1 through 3, and although we're going to touch on 1 through 3, I'm going to primarily spend time on 4 through 9. But what Lance did for us last week is he kind of unlocked the macro view for us, how this story unlocks the rest of the story of the Bible, Uh, how the Lord... Now, the story is about the Lord's missionary mandate. 
that the Lord chose and blessed Abram to be a blessing. Okay, if you weren't here for that last week, I encourage you to go back and catch that on the podcast as these two messages will certainly go together. He does the same with us today. He blesses us to be a blessing. Today, I wanna look at this same passage, but I want us to look at it on a micro level. I want us to dig down in the weeds a little bit. I wanna look at exactly what the Lord called Abram to do, and I want us to see how this calling applies to us as well. So, just in thinking about this passage, I thought if anyone's ever been curious about the Lord's will for your life, or maybe the Lord's calling for your life, I think this message might speak to you. Okay, in, the, in this passage, as we look at the life of Abram, Guys, we find a descriptive story about a man of faith who's later going to be referred to as the father of our faith uh, that I believe is also prescriptive for us as well. Right? We, see what, we see a man who models what it looks like to hear God's word, to trust God's word, and by faith and obedience to act upon God's word. Okay? Abram's obedience in the midst of the unknown, uh, really, guys, it gives testimony to what faith and obedience can look like. So I'm excited to open God's word with you this morning. First observation I want, to, I want to make in regard to this passage is this, that obedient faith hears God's word. Obedient faith hears God's word. Guys, we read first and foremost that God initiated the call with Abram. This is recorded for us in verse one, which says, now the Lord said to Abram, see that. Okay, we also read in verse four, so Abram went as the Lord told him. So what this tells us right off bat is that before we can respond in obedience, we must first, first hear from the Lord. We have to hear what he's saying. In other words, faith, it's not some blind leap in the dark, but it's an obedient response to hearing God's word. An obedient response to hearing God's word. Guys, in Abram's day, before the Bible was written, mind you, God often spoke to people in an audible voice. You may notice this in the Old Testament, right? Sometimes the Lord also appeared in human form. It happens so many times throughout Scripture. But in reference to this account of Abram in the New Testament, Luke actually gives us some insight into how this encounter actually happened. In Acts chapter 7, verse 2, Luke records, this is from Stephen's sermon in the book of Acts. It says, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So we know that he appeared, right? So in this case, we know the Lord appeared. Uh, we don't know exactly how, but we do know that the Lord appeared to Abram and that he spoke to him, right? And, and so we also discovered the Lord appeared to Abram before he lived in Haran, which is kind of a bit of an interesting detail if you think about it, right? There, there's a lot of speculation as to the chronology here, like why would this happen? Why didn't Abram go directly from Mesopotamia to Canaan instead of going to Haran first, or Haran, however you want to say it? That's a question I think we should ask of the text. Some believe it's because he was waiting for his father to die, which is recorded at the end of chapter 11. Uh, others believe maybe he was making preparations. Honestly, guys, nobody really knows, but we do know that some time did pass before he fully obeyed the call. Interesting detail. But regardless, guys, knowing that the Lord appeared to Abraham and spoke to him, or Abram, I'm gonna go back and forth today, Abram, Abraham, and spoke to him, it might cause us to wonder, hey, how does the Lord speak to us today? Uh, I mean, some, I don't know about you, but I can't help but read passages like this and go, man, how does that translate to today? How does the Lord speak to us? So if that's you today, I just want to answer that question uh, according to Scripture, because thankfully the Bible answers this question for us. The author of Hebrews, once again, explains in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, he says, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. 
if you want to take this idea even farther, you may be familiar with John 1.1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It gives us this idea that Jesus is God's Word to us. And since Jesus said that all of Scripture testifies to himself, we can trust this. All right, so in summary, the Bible, guys, it's, it's God's living and active revelation of himself, of his Son, and it's the primary means in which he communicates with us today. Living an act of revelation of himself and of his son, and it's the primary way or means that he communicates with us today. But in addition to the word, guys, the Lord has also given us his spirit. All right, the Holy Spirit, it takes the word of God. It applies it to our hearts as we yield to him, as we submit to him, as we wait on him. As we need the Holy Spirit to apply the word. But if we're not abiding, if we're not trusting, if we're not appropriating God's word into our thinking, then the Holy Spirit can't properly guide us, Right? The Holy Spirit always works through in accordance with God's word. Again, another thing we've said so many times here at Crosspoint, I'm sure we'll say again, is this. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead us to do anything contrary to God's word. Ever. That's why it's so necessary, it's so important, so vital that all of us as believers are abiding and trusting in the word. It's also a reason we need to be listening to the Spirit's leading. All right, and with this in mind, I want to make clear that there's a big difference in feelings and faith. And I think sometimes we get these things confused. Um, faith, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. So sometimes you might hear people say, hey, they, they feel the Lord speaking to them. or They feel the Lord leading them or calling them to do something. By no means do I want to limit the way that the Lord works in people's lives. I've heard some amazing stories of missionaries all over the world, and the Lord does work in miraculous ways. But I do want to make this point by by saying this, and maybe you'll agree with me. Like, I don't always feel like doing what the Lord's called me to do. I don't always feel like living according to the word. I don't know about you. Like, there's some verses I'd like to take out, I'll be honest with you. Right? But by faith, right, I do. If my faith was based on feeling, and those times I come to those hard passages of scripture, and I don't feel like listening or obeying, then my faith's not really based on faith, it's based on feeling. I think you can relate to that, guys. That's why faith is not a feeling. That's also why we don't follow our hearts. Right? We hear that expression all the time, but guys, we need to be careful with that. Jeremiah 17, 9. It's just the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. So if we follow our hearts, we're likely to end up in a dangerous place. We're gonna see Abram wind up in a dangerous place in the weeks to come as he follows his feelings, as he maybe follows his heart. But there's a, a, a prayer uh, book that I use. It's called The Valley of Vision. Uh, this was given to me when we first started Crosspoint Community Church. It's been such a blessing and a useful tool uh, for me, just in my own personal prayer and devotion. It's taken from 16th and 17th century uh, Puritan prayers uh, and put together. And I was reading this uh, just the other day, and I thought I'd throw this one on the screen. It's this prayer. It says, help me to honor thee by believing before I feel. For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. Man, Puritan, 16th, 17th century they, they got what I'm talking about. Okay, our faith, it's not a feeling. The second observation I want to make is this. An obedient faith trusts God's word. Okay, maybe an obvious statement. As I wrote it down, I thought, is that too obvious to even write down? Right, it should be. But I don't think it is. Right? I think there's a big difference in hearing the word of God and trusting the word of God. Sometimes knowing the word of God and, trust, and, and trusting the word of God. Right, especially in this Rockwall Bible Belt culture. Right? I remember when I first came to Christ 16 or so years ago, uh, I was in a real broken place in my life, and a friend of mine shared with me 2 Corinthians 
uh, 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. I remember hearing that and telling him, I was like, yeah, I've heard that. He goes, yeah, I know you've heard it. That's a friend that was leading me to the Lord. He goes, I know you've heard it, uh, but do you trust it? you believe it? I said, yeah, yeah, sure. No, I'm, I'm, I got you. It's the Bible. I got it. He goes, no, no, no. And he pressed me, pressed me farther than I've ever been pressed into really asking this question, do I trust the word of God? He read it to me again. Hey, if anyone's a new crea- creation in Christ, he's a new creation in Christ, and the old is gone, the new is here, do you believe that? And that was the first time I'd believed. Right? He, this guy, he, he pushed me to a place of not only hearing God's word, knowing God's word, but actually trusting God's word. So I don't think it's that obvious, right? See, to, to trust God's word means that we literally actually trust him. And, and I want to ask you, how many days are we actually doing this? Right? Trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and leaning not on our own understanding. That verse we love so much. It's on the coffee mugs all around, right? We're familiar with it, sometimes overly familiar with it, so familiar with it that we lose the depth of it. We lose our trust in it. We just kind of know it. So I ask you this morning, are you trusting in God's word? It's one of the reasons I asked you uh, the question that I did in regard to the unknown. Well, if anyone, uh, any of us really like the unknown, right? But in the unknown, if we're trusting God's word, we can embrace the unknown because we know that the Lord is there. We know that we don't have to lean on our own understanding. As we see this once again in the life of Abram, we see what this looks like. You may have noticed in this passage, God makes three promises to Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, God said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So number one, he promises to show Abram a land. Number two, to make Abram into a great nation. That was the second promise. And number three, he promises to use that nation to bless the whole world. But not a whole lot else is covered here, is it? There's not exactly a lot of detail. I mean, if you're a planner like me and you're looking for a logistical plan here, you're going, man, what else you got? Like, I get the promises, but like, how's that gonna happen? I mean, if I'm Abram in this moment, I'm going, oh God, you said to a land I'll show you? Um, Where is it? How do I get there? I'll show you. Oh, okay, so it's, it's the unknown. I'm supposed to trust you in this. Uh, you said you're gonna make me into a great nation, right? Um, how? How are you gonna do that? I'll show you. Okay, it's, it's unknown again. I'm, I'm gonna trust you. Hey, you said you're gonna use me to bless the whole world? Like, how's that gonna happen? Can you give me a hint? I'll show you. Okay, it's unknown. I'm gonna trust you. Guys, this is Trust. This is life-changing faith. This is obedient faith that trusts God's word right here on display for us. You guys remember Hebrews 11.8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was received as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. This is not a simple act of faith, even if we can say there is such a thing. This was an exchange of worship. We covered this last week, but he was a man living in a pagan land. This is a conversion of a pagan. Uh, Lance talked about this, right? He lived in a pagan culture that was polytheistic, that worshiped all kinds of gods, but was especially known for worshiping the moon god. Also, guys, we know he was advanced in years. He was 75 years old. He was settled. He was probably prosperous. And he leaves all of this. He leaves his, his relatives, his family, to follow the Lord's command into the unknown. This is for this reason. He's become the epitome of faith in the Bible, Right? It's because he's one of the reasons he called the father of our faith. This is a really big deal. It's a life-changing act of faith. If you think about it, he exchanged 
the known for the unknown. That's what he did. That's what we're seeing in this text. So imagine with me for a moment what it would be like to leave behind all of what represents security in your life. What would it be like for you to leave behind everything that you consider security, your home, your family, your community? What if God called you to this? What would you do? I think the answer to that question can be found if we ask ourselves if we're really trusting God. I think the answer to that question can also be found if we ask ourselves if the story is about us and our plans or God's plans. See, there's two ways to read the Bible. One is that it's all about us. This is the one that a lot of us fall into a lot. The other one is that it's all about God. I think it's important to make this point. Guys, last week Lance asked us if we know the rest of the well-known Psalm 4610, and he pointed to this same idea, right? Um, You guys know Psalm 4610? Be still and know that I'm God. It's another coffee mug verse. But then Lance walked us through how there's more to that verse. I, meaning God, will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. It's about God. So this week, I want to introduce to you the same idea in using Psalm 23, another well-known psalm. One that's dear to my heart and dear to you as well, I'm sure. You know it. I look at this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Man, that provides me so much comfort. I don't know about you. But then look what he says. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my name. Oh, not mine. His namesake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's about him. It's all about him. As remember the context of our text today, God chose Abram to be the father of the nation of Israel so that he could bless all nations through Israel. We walked through this last week. So God's motive in all of this is not that Abram is the hero of the story. It's that God's the hero of the story. As if Abram's Abram's a hero, we're gonna be in trouble, right? Because we're gonna see what happens in the weeks to come. There's a lot we can learn from Abram. There's a lot of his life that is prescriptive for us. But all of this in this story is about God fulfilling his plan through Abram. And so any takeaways we have from this text today need to be in line with that. It's about God fulfilling his plan through us. It's all about God. I hope that makes sense. So if we ask the question of, hey, what would it be like to leave behind all of what represents security in your life, your home, your family, or in your community? If it's all about us, we're asking the question in the wrong way because we're going, man, that, that's a lot to give up. Like, I'm not so sure about that. But if we ask that question and it's about God, we're not asking or even thinking about what all we're giving up. We start thinking about what God wants to accomplish through us. Does that make sense? It's a shift in thinking. It's about what he wants to accomplish through us. Instead of questioning the unknown, we recognize that God's already there and there really is no such thing. That we can trust him and lean not on our own understanding. He's God. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. And we can trust him. So I was thinking through this text this week. Man, it messed with me in so many ways. But I, I started thinking about a missionary couple that our church supports in the Middle East. We call them John and Joanna. Uh, those are their code names because of where they're serving. But I reached out to those guys. I just asked them uh, a question for the purpose of this sermon, not knowing what to expect, but their response was so good, I'm going to share it with you. Uh, I simply said, hey, I'm preparing a talk on Genesis 12, 1 through 9, curious about a couple of things. Hey, you're called to go. Uh, is that something you can share with me? How did it come 
and how did you know? How'd you know? How did it come and how'd you know? Here's what their response. Hey, Ryan, first, thanks for the email. We really appreciate you thinking about the work around the world when coming to that text. The call for us really came down to the reality of the word and the reality of the world. We see from Genesis 1 to the end, Father bringing people from all nations together to worship him. Revelations chapter 5, verses 9 through 7 and 9 through 10 were huge passages that impacted us to go. Having the end picture and promise that a multitude from all nations will be a part of the church motivated us to go. We also saw the reality of the world through our trips overseas and got to see that many throughout the world do not have access to the good news. Since we know he will bring people into the church, but the work is not yet done, this motivates Joanna and I to come to the desert where very few have ever heard. We felt before meeting that we both wanted to do church planting work overseas, but we really felt called together about three years ago. It was a normal Sunday, and the pastor wasn't even talking about missionary work, but one Sunday we both felt like we should begin pursuing overseas work. We knew we wanted to go somewhere without, without little good news access, and through one of our mentors pushing us to the Middle East and, uh, and research, we landed in the Gulf. There's honestly not much mystical or any big moment about our call. I love that. We do feel called, and that the Lord has told us to go through his word, our experiences, his, his spirit, his church. We simply see the reality of God's story and the reality of his word. Because of what we've seen, we've seen, we feel that the spirit has led us to move somewhere strategic to plant the church for his glory. We feel as though we are unworthy servants who only seek to be obedient to J, code word for Jesus. Our call is difficult just as all are, but it's joyful to walk in obedience. I love that, don't you? Nothing mystical. Nothing mystical here, but if you think about it, it boils down to hearing the word and trusting the word, doesn't it? It's the recipe that led them to obey and go, hearing and trusting. Guys, this leads me to my third observation. This is where we're gonna hang out for a while. Obedient faith acts upon God's word. Obedient faith acts upon God's word. Look at verses four through six with me. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land of the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. God said, go, and Abram went. Guys, Abraham heard God's word. He trusted God's word. And he acted upon God's word. He, he obeyed. He embraced the unknown. Right? He went. Verse 5 says that Abram, his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, they took all their possessions as well as some people they had acquired in the land. So I thought about that. I go, man, they, they're taking a one-way trip here. Like he's not planning on coming back. This is a one-way trip. This is faith. A couple of things you may have noticed here. One, you may have noticed the mention of the people they had acquired. Uh, I've read this so many times. It's one of those things I've kind of passed over and never paid much attention to. I always thought, hey, maybe these were workers. Uh, maybe they were even slaves. But after digging into this more, doing some more study, I found another option is that they were more than likely proselytes. Uh, what that word means is they were people that had converted. So we know from Acts 7 2 that the Lord had appeared to Abram in Mesopotamia. That's when he received his call. So we can assume, knowing this, that Abram had received this call, and, and even before he went, he was starting to be a blessing. He was starting to share his encounter with the Lord. And there were those that believed, there were those that trusted. There was a, they're going, hey, we're going with you. It's like, hey, man, that's, that's a really cool detail here that Abraham was already being faithful in that. 
You may have also noticed that the land that they went to in Canaan, it was already occupied. Right? The text says that when they came to Canaan, they passed through the land, and they passed through and they went to Shechem, to the Oak of Morah, and at that time, there were already people leaving, living in the land of Canaan. I don't know about you, but that bothers me a little bit. Like I said a minute ago, hey, uh, you want me to go to a land, I'll show you. All right, where is it? I'll show you. Okay, trust you. And, and then he goes, and there's people there already. Like, what, what's going on here? What's that mean? I think a couple things. One, we're going to see in verse 7 that the Lord's actually going to give this land to Abraham's descendants rather than Abram. Okay, we learn that. Number two, I think that obedience often does not come without discouragement and opposition. I think it's a good, helpful reminder for us. We're going to see this continue to develop in the weeks to come. And I think this can be a hard concept for some of us to grasp, right? Me included. So often I think if the Lord's calling me to do something, guys, it's going to be easy. It's going to be a wide open door, as we like to say so often, right? I don't think that's the case, right? I think time and time again, the scriptures say otherwise. If the Lord calls us, if we hear his word, if we trust his word, if we act upon his word, guys, often we can expect some discouragement, we can expect some opposition, but we can trust in his providence and we can expect him to carry us through. Such a good reminder, right? Look with me again at verse seven. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Love the fact that the Lord appeared to Abraham here, that he affirmed him here. I also love that Abram built an altar in response. We're gonna talk more about that in a second. Don't you know this was encouraging? I mean, he's gone to this land that the Lord's gonna show him. He arrives and there's other people there. Hey, what's what's going on? I mean, I trusted you in this and there's people here. What's going on? The Lord shows up, appears to him. Hey, I'm gonna affirm you. You're on the right track. You're where I want you. Keep going. I'm sure that was encouraging to him. I think this is another good reminder that faith is not based on feelings, right? The fact that Abraham goes and builds this altar. Uh, if you've ever experienced discouragement like this, you may have been tempted to just jump ship, right? Hey, I thought the Lord was calling me to do this, but I don't feel like it anymore. He's here. He's right where God wants him. The Lord appears to him. Hey, I'm going to affirm you. He builds this altar. I also love how the Lord affirms us today as well, right? Uh, so many of us living in the new covenant that we live in today, uh, this generally happens through God's word, God's spirit, and the local church. That's generally the recipe. That's the way that the Lord affirms us. Uh, the way we say this around Crosspoint is God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. That's how the Lord affirms us so often. So much encouragement and affirmation comes through these three channels. Look at verses eight and nine. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going through the Negev. I titled the section of my notes just Tents and Altars. Tents and Altars. Something you may have noticed here is wherever Abram went to the land of Canaan, he was marked by those two things, tents and altars. As I began to dig into these two things, I discovered two observations I want to share with you. Uh, the first one I just I want to say is just kind of an interesting detail. The second one I think is very significant. Okay, the first one is that Bethel was on the west and Ai was on the east. If you dig into this, you'll find that the, Beth, the name Bethel, it actually means the house of God, and Ai actually means ruin. So some have recognized that this means that Abram and Sarai were walking from east to west. As they were walking from east to west, they were actually walking from the city of ruin to the house of God. It's one of those interesting details that I think stirs our affections for the providence of God. Just amazing, right? Um, the, what I believe to be most significant about this, though, 
is that the tents and altars, they indicate that he didn't have a permanent home, right? The, the tents that he lived in indicates he didn't have a permanent home. The altars indicates that he, he built, um, without having a permanent home, he built a permanent structure for the Lord. And another way of saying this is this. Um, he, he, the altars that he built marked him as a man who worshiped the true and living God wherever he was. All right, so think about this. He pitched the tents. That's, that's a temporary act. But he built the offers, altars. That's a permanent act. So another way of saying this is I said he held lightly the things that were entrusted to him, and he held tightly that was which entrusted to God. These, these tents and altars are significant as they point to his transient life. Another way of saying this is that it points to his pilgrim life. He was a pilgrim. Right? A pilgrim is a person on a journey, not a settled resident. He's just passing through. He's on his way to a better place. He's not settling. He's not getting too comfortable. The Bible teaches this is exactly what we're called to as Christians. We're not of this world. Right? We are just passing through. Our destination is in heaven. In summary, we're not to get too comfortable either. One of the families in my uh, community group uh, reminded me of this this week as we had dinner with them. They're a military family. Uh, and in the entry of their home, uh, they have a sign that marks uh, every place that they've lived in the past few years, just milestones of where they lived their, their journey. On the other side of their entry, they have this map on the wall that has a string over the United States that just marks all, their, all the different places they've lived in their journey. As I was talking with them, I said, yeah, I mean, this, is, this has been our story. This is the way the Lord has led us. And I, because I was studying this passage, I was actually thinking about what a constant reminder this family has of this fact that, that we are pilgrims in this land. We're not truly home yet. We're not to get too comfortable. Even this past uh, two weeks ago when I was putting my son Carter on an airplane to go to Germany to serve on mission, All right, we had a chance to, kind of write, to write those kids a note, write our kids a note uh, that right when they get on the airplane that they would hand out to the kids and they would be able to read them. And I just wrote on Carter's note, I said, hey, if at any time you get homesick on this trip, it's a four-week trip, if any time you get homesick, let that, let that pain, that homesickness serve as a reminder to you that none of us are home yet. None of us are home yet, right? We're pilgrims here. I think this text reminds us of this. Guys, it's such an important observation for us to make. God didn't call Abram to settle down, did he? He didn't. Like that's, if I was making it all about me, that's what I would think. Hey, I'm gonna take you from this land. I'm gonna take you over here to this better land. And then this is gonna be where like, I'm gonna build your kingdom. That's not what he does. This is all about God. God's building his kingdom. I'm gonna take you from this land where you were settled. I'm gonna take you to a place where you're not settled. Because I'm building my kingdom. I want you to move around. I want you to see what's going to happen here. All right, so as the Lord wanted Abram dependent on him. How many, of you did, how many of you remember the days when we had to use a map or actually stop and ask for directions? Anybody? Those maps you could never get folded back the same way? Just thought about that. Man, nowadays we don't do that, right? We just plug in a place we want to go in our GPS and it takes us there. We really don't even have to think about it. Like, look at these verbs that are used in this passage. I'm going to put them on the screen for you. Uh, 12.4 says, he went. 12.5, he set out. 12.6, he passed through. 12.8, he moved. 12.9, he journeyed. You may want to underline those in your Bible. They're just action steps. How did Abram know where to go and what to do? How did he know? I thought about that, and I looked at all those verbs. Verse 8 tells us, he called upon the name of the Lord. He 
called upon the name of the Lord. Friends, God expects us to live in the same way. Like Abram, we must call upon the name of the Lord. I've got a heavy question for you. I'm telling you, this text messed with me this week. When's the last time you considered where God wants you to go with your life? When's the last time you considered where God wants you to go with your life? Have you asked him lately? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Are you just cruising along on your own journey, listening to the world and loving the things of the world? Challenging question. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, other translations say pilgrims, by the way, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. I'm gonna put this question on the screen. Have you thought about where the Lord wants you to go and what he wants you to do? Or are you listening to the world and loving the things of the world? I said I was gonna put it on the screen, maybe not. I'm not doing anything, actually. I'm not putting it up there. So I'll just ask it again. Have you thought about where the Lord wants you to go and what he wants you to do? Or are you listening to the world and loving the things of the world? Are you planning for a life of comfort and ease? Are you planning your life according to the Lord's will for your life? Yeah, and I've been wrestling with this this week as well. Right, the Lord, the word, the world tells us that we're to plan for comfort and ease, right? I was wrestling with this big time this week. And I was reminded of a, uh, a sermon that I once heard about 16 or so years ago when I first came to Christ. I had a book. Um, many of you may have heard of it. It was a book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. Anybody ever read this book? Blew my mind, right? I'd never heard anything like this back then when I first came to Christ. Uh, the book was written uh, based off a sermon that Piper preached in May of the year 2000 at a conference for 40,000 college students. Uh, this sermon has become one of the most well-known sermons that was ever preached. Uh, the Lord used it in a miraculous way. Some of you may simply know this as the seashell sermon. You know what I'm talking about? A couple of heads nodding maybe. Again, this blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like it before. I want to read a short excerpt from this sermon to set up the context. And I want to share just a quick uh, two-minute video clip of this sermon with you. This is what Piper said to these 40,000 college students. He said, one of the sad, really sad things about this moment right now is there are hundreds of you in this crowd who do not want your life to make a difference. All you want is to be liked, maybe finish school, get a good job, find a husband or wife, a nice house, a nice car, long weekends, good vacations, grow old, healthy, have a fun retirement, die easy, no hell. And that's all you want. And you don't give a rip whether your life counts on this earth for eternity. And that's a tragedy in the making. You're like, why was this one of the most well-known sermons? Then he tells about two members of his church who'd been killed in a car accident while serving overseas as missionaries. And he asked the question, is this a tragedy? And the obvious answer resounding from the crowd is no, that's not a tragedy. Right? Those people were serving the Lord. So when he shows them what a true tragedy looks like, he pulls out an article from a Reader's Digest and he begins to read it. I want to show you this quick video. Start now, retire early. February 1998, Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. 
That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. And there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream. A nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. Look, Lord, my shell collection. And I've got a good swing. And look at my boat. God, look at my boat, God. That's why people remember it as the seashells sermon. Guys, my point's not to attack planning or even planning for retirement, but my point's to get us thinking about if we're listening and loving the world or if we're hearing God's word, if we're trusting God's word and we're acting upon God's word, what does he want for your life? That's the question we're asking this morning. Can I just get personal for you a minute, with you for a minute? If you're believing and trusting in Jesus this morning, can I just remind you that just like God initiated the call of Abraham, He's initiated his call with you. Just like God spoke to Abram, God through his word, his spirit, and his people speaks to you. Just like God called Abram to exchange his life of pagan worship for a life of dependency on him, God has called you. If you're not believing and trusting today, can I just say something to you as well? Just like God initiated the call with Abram, it's my hope that he's initiating his call with you today. That he's sharing his good news with you today. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came. He lived a perfect life among us. He died on the cross for us, paying our penalty and satisfying God's wrath against us on that cross. So in Jesus, by believing and trusting in Jesus, by faith alone, as we can be in right standing with the God of the universe. That's the greatest news on earth, right? We didn't deserve it and we can't earn it. It is a gift. If we've received that gift, then we have been blessed to be a blessing, to share that good news, to take that blessing to others. So either way, if you've been believing and trusting for years, or if this is your first day, this message is for you. I want us to, I want us to remember the context here. God chose Abram to be the father of the nation of Israel for the purpose of God blessing the nations through Israel. God's motive in all of this was not that Abram's the hero of the story, but that God's the hero of the story. Be reminded of that. He's invited us to play a part as well. Remember that although we can learn a lot from Abraham and although much of his life is prescriptive, this is about God fulfilling his plan through Abram. It's all about God making much of God. Remember from the life of Abram that God typically doesn't reveal his entire plan for our lives, our plans for our lives up front, does he? He requires us to take the next present step before he reveals the next one, right? To discover the next step in God's plan, we must first obey the present step. 
It's what's your present step? What's your present step? Do you know? Is it spending time with God, actually listening to what he's saying? Guys, this takes effort. How many of you are doing that? Spending time with God, listening to what he's saying. Have you have a, do you have a, a planned time and a place that you, you commune with him? I've shared with you often, but the way this happens for me mostly is spending time in his word and then journaling, writing down what I'm actually learning from the Lord. I've got a plan that I follow. I'm glad to share with you guys if you email me. As that's one of the ways that I retain what I learn. Let me show you something else I did this past week. The iPhone has an amazing little feature. I'm just going to show you. Like if you hold this side button down, it brings up this, this thing called an off switch. You guys seen this? It's amazing. Did you guys even know that was there? I used that this week. First time in a long time. I thought I'd just show you. Imagine what we do. Just turn that off from time to time. Actually listen to the word of God. First Peter chapter two, verse two says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. You guys know what it's like when, when a baby longs for milk, right? There's nothing that's gonna stand in that baby's way. It, it's gonna scream, it's gonna plead, it's gonna kick, it's gonna do all it can to get to that milk. Is that you? Is that us? Are we longing for the pure spiritual milk that we might grow up in salvation? A lot of us, I don't think so. We live in this culture that we just don't need him a whole lot, do we? Unless we get in a pinch. Maybe we'll kind of ask him to bless our plan. As, let's be reminded this morning about what hearing God's word looks like. All right. Maybe your next step is trusting, actually embracing the unknown. Maybe. Abram stepped out in faith because he trusted God's word. Guys, we'll never learn to step out in faith until we learn to trust. So will you trust him? Will you step out in faith? Will you trust him with your unknown future, with your relationships, with your kids, with your job? God, leaning not on your own understanding. Will you trust him? Remember, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his, his namesake. It's all about him. This is his plan, and he's invited us in. We can trust him. Maybe your next step's action. Just wrote down, are you prepared to do what the Lord is asking you to do because you trust him? In spite of what you feel, in spite of living in tents. And Abram trusted the Lord, not based on his feelings, but based on God's word. It's the only place that true joy is found is always in obedience. You might have heard that or caught that in uh, John and Joanna's letter. I don't know if you caught that. They said, hey, this is a place of joy for us, knowing this is where we're supposed to be. Right, just if you sense the Lord's leading you to take a next step, I want to encourage you to tell somebody today before you leave. Um, get that out loud. A lot of people don't want to get it out loud because if they get it out loud, all of a sudden they feel accountable. Hey, if I tell somebody that I sense the Lord leading me to do this, then people are going to ask me about it. I don't want them to ask me about it because this scares the daylights out of me. You know what I'm talking about? I say get it out loud with somebody. Share it with your community. Remember I shared earlier, hey, the Lord affirms us through his word, his spirit, and his people. Extremely important step. Right? It may be that your time to take action is now, and it may be that you need to take some time to prepare. But by sharing with God's people, you get to discover that, right? God's people may respond to you and go, hey, yeah, we see that in you. We can totally see that the Lord may be leading you down that road. I'm just wondering, is it, is it now or is it here or here? It may be now, but let's walk through this with you. Also, guys, be ready. It may be a no, right? You may share something with God's people and they, they come and go, man, yeah, I'd love to see that in your life. But like right now, we know these, this is going on. 
Can we help you here so that we can send you here? Right? There may be a time to prepare as you share with God's people. Maybe that'll come out, right? Some specific ideas for serving if you're ready to take next steps. Maybe you're ready to sign up for membership class. You say, hey, I've been coming to Crosspoint for a while. I want to contribute. I want to be a part of this thing. Hey, maybe it's getting connected with a community group. Maybe starting a new one. Maybe, right? That's something I'm going to be talking about more this fall. But maybe you've been sitting in a community group for a while. You know a certain group of people. You'd love to invite them. But you're not sure about how that works. You go, man, I sense the Lord's leading me. I mean, I, I could invite these people. I could start a new group. I could get this thing going. I could get some more people connected. I could be a blessing to some other people. Maybe that's you. If it is, come talk to me, right? Maybe it's starting to serve on the setup team, Lord's Supper team, hospitality team. Maybe it's in a couple of weeks going to serve the kids at Lake Rockwall Estates. Talk to Brienne after the service. I don't know what your next step is. How's the Lord leading you today? Maybe for some, it's, fostering or adoption. We've talked about this so many times. There's families in our church that last year came forth and said, hey, I think the Lord's leading us to foster. We don't know what that looks like yet. That's unknown to us, but how do we take a next step, right? My, my wife and I were one of them. We, we said, hey, we've sensed the Lord leading us towards adoption, international adoption for about three years. We haven't taken that next step. What's our next steps? We started that process last year. You know what prompted that? God's word. God's people confirmed it. Okay, we're taking next steps. I don't know what it is for you. I can just tell you, the, the future for all of us is generally radically different than we think it's gonna be. Would you guys all agree with that? Right? I never planned to be in ministry. I never planned to plan a church. I never planned to start the international adoption process. It wasn't my plan. I had other plans. I'm sure you could say the same thing about your life, right? There, that God has directed you. The mind of man plans his way. The Lord directs his steps. He directs you. I just want to encourage us all to listen this morning. Guys, regardless of where we are, let's be reminded that God's desire is that we listen, we trust, and we act. Piper had summed up his sermon with this. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That was a great little one-liner. May we remember that. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your living and active word. I thank you for the way that you speak to us through your word, that we can trust that your word is true. God, that we can trust that you are leading us according to your plan. And God, that we can trust that you're leading us to act, uh, that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So God, I don't know how you wanna use this sermon this morning, this text, and the lives of those that are here at Crosspoint this morning, but you do. And I just plan for the courage of the people sitting here to respond as they hear you, as they trust you, and as they act. Pray for that for, that for me as well. That we would be reminded that we are pilgrims, that we're not to get too comfortable here, but God, and that our lives are transient, that we're on our way to a better place, and how we live in this place matters. God, our actions, our words, our lifestyles, they matter. God, seeing this is all about you, that you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, it matters reminding ourselves this is not all about us, that we're not the center of the universe, but you are. We're to make much of you. It matters. And we trust you in that. Trust that you will use your word, that your word will do what it does this morning in all of our lives. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.